is a tasty burger. Burger. Yeah, ready, yeah, ready, yeah, ready, yeah, ready. beautiful models welcome back to whatever the show where i talk about whatever my name is chairman and dumbledore no now if you couldn't tell from that intro we are back to doing harry potter that's right i took a break from it last week because i was really sick and i just had no energy to do anything related to harry potter plus i didn't do my research i didn't take any notes so it was like yeah whatever but i'm back to it this week and we're on half blood prince we are Almost at the end. Um, I'm actually thinking of, uh, after this episode, doing, like, Deathly Hollows as, like, a big mega episode. That way, you know, I include both part one and part two in the same episode. But this week, we're talking about Half-Blood Prince. Um, I'm probably gonna do a little bit different. I mean, you already tell, you can already tell I'm already doing something different, which I'm actually doing an intro to this episode beforehand. But I might do it a little different. I might not go over the entire plot. I might still do that. It depends on how I'm feeling. But, you know, as always, you know, I talk about Half-Blood Prince, give my opinions, and uh, this time I actually have some fun facts about some of the actors instead of just what's the difference between the book and the movie. So, yeah. All for all that Harry Potter fun, stay tuned! Why is it when something happens, it is always you three? Believe me, Professor, I've been asking myself the same question for six years. All right, so half blood print, half blood, half blood prints. Um, I this is uh, this movie has honestly moved up on my list. So, <clears throat> what is half blood print? Half blood prints came out. July 15th, 2009. It was directed by David Yates. Now, it had a budget of $250 million, and it brought in, at the box office, $934.3 million, which, wow. I mean, of course, it was a Harry Potter movie, and by this point, everybody just, you know, pooped their pants in a new (laughs) Harry Potter movie. So, what is the movie about? As Death Eaters wreak havoc in both Muggle and Wizard worlds, Hogwarts is no longer a safe haven for students. Though Harry suspects there are though Harry suspects there are new dangers lurking within the castle walls, Dumbledore is more intent than ever on preparing the young wizard for the final battle with Voldemort. Meanwhile, teenage hormones run rampant through Hogwarts, presenting a different sort of danger. Ugh, excuse me. Love may be in the air, but tragedy looms. And Hogwarts might never be the same again. Now, I love that they put the uh, teenage hormones, and I think that's why initially this one didn't really like sit well with me. Like initially, like if I had to put it in my list, I already said that like Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets were my bottom two, and I would have put this above Chamber of Secrets. Like, but I honestly gotta say it's in my top three now, so. Like, my top three are still Deathly Hollows, uh, Order of Phoenix, the uh, Half-Blood Prince. Well, no. It's Deathly Hollows, 
Order of the Phoenix, Prisoner of Azkaban, and then Half-Blood Prince. So it's in my top five. <laughs> five out of, like, what, seven movies? But yeah, initially I didn't really like this one, and I still tend to see where I'm coming from having rewatched it, because a lot of it just feels awkward. I mean, there's a lot of key stuff that happens in this movie, but it's just, it seems, like, very awkward. So, like, in the beginning of this, we see the Death Eaters. Actually, I'm gonna, sorry, I'm gonna pull up something quick. But in the beginning of this, we see the Death Eaters wreak havoc. Well, they fly through, they fly through London into Diagon Alley, and they blow up Ollivanders, and they end up capturing Ollivanders, and then when they go back down to the Muggle World, they end up destroying a bridge in, uh, they end up destroying a bridge in London, like in the Muggle World of, (laughs) in Muggle London. But, uh, I guess the one weird thing is a difference between the book and the movie. Uh, and this is from the Harry Potter wiki. In the book, the Brockdale Bridge was said to have been destroyed by the Death Eaters, with around 50 models being killed. In the film, it is the Millennium Bridge that the Death Eaters are shown to have destroyed, through, though all the models escape before it collapse. Yeah, so... Oh yeah, I did mention that. So yeah, basically they were to have it, and then, you know, the Ministries is having a fit. But, um, I guess some key things in this one are, uh, this is coming off, this is coming right off the heels of, uh, Order of the Phoenix with, you know, Bellatrix killing Sirius Black. Um, instead of going through the entire plot, I guess I can give a, uh, actually, let's, let's go through the plot. Because that'll give me some runtime, and I actually have something written down here, so I don't sound like an idiot talking about this. <clears throat> Alrighty then. So here's the plot of Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Lord Voldemort tightens his grip on the wizarding and wizarding and muddle worlds. His Death Eaters kidnap Garrick Ollivander and destroy the Millennium Bridge. When Lucius Malfoy is sent to Azkaban, Voldemort chooses Draco to carry out a secret mission at Hogwarts. Draco's mother, Narcissa, and aunt, Bellatrix Lestrange, seek out Severus Snape, who claims to be a mole within the Order of the Phoenix. Snape makes an unbreakable vow with Narcissa to protect Draco and fulfill his assignment if he fails. Harry Potter accompanies Albus Dumbledore to persuade former potions professor Horace Slughorn to return to Hogwarts. At the burrow, Harry reunites with his best friends Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger. Now, let me detract from that for a second. Uh, I said in an earlier episode, I forget which one, but I uh, I mentioned that like I didn't get why in I thought it was in Chamber of Secrets. The burrow was in this like farm field with like rock walls and fencing, like it was it was in the middle of like farms. Whereas in later movies, especially what you see in this one, it's like in the middle of just like a big wild grass field, just in probably in the middle of nowhere. And initially I thought that was just like a continuity error, but I'm beginning to think that it was, uh, they did it on purpose. Like the burrow was actually teleported on purpose. So yeah. Uh, where was I? Okay. They visit Fred and George Weasley's new joke shop in Diagon Alley and see Draco enter Nocturne Alley with a group of Death Eaters, including Fenrir Greyback. Now, let's, let's give some backstory on Fenrir Greyback. 
Fenrir Greybrack is a werewolf who is involved with the Death Eaters. He works alongside Lord Voldemort because Lord Voldemort promises fairness to werewolves around the country. So, he's a werewolf that works for Voldemort. Harry believes Voldemort has made Draco a Death Eater, but Ron and Hermione are skeptical. On the Hogwarts Express, Harry hides in the Slytherin carriage using his ability invisibility cloak, but is spotted and petrified by Malfoy before being saved by Luna. Now, this is another thing when I looked up uh, book and movie differences. Uh, I guess on the train after what is it's it's somewhere in here. I forget where, but it's where is it? I don't Oh yeah, here it is. The way Harry is found is different in the film. In the book, Tonks finds Harry, stating that she did not see him leave the train and, knowing Harry has his cloak, decided to double-check the train. In the film, it is Luna Lovegood who finds Harry with her specs, stating that she can see wax spritz all over him. I freaking love Luna in this one. Uh, Harry discovers his borrowed potions textbook. So... Basically, he goes to attend. There's a scene where him and Ron are just hanging out, and there's a bunch of students, and McGonagall is just like, hey, you know, you know, even though Snape taught potions before and you were top of the class, now Slughorn is teaching potions, and now you have to redo it. So you and Ron go attend his class. And they go to his class, and like, they don't have books, so Slughorn's like, oh, just take a book from the cupboard and when they open the cupboard there's a brand new one and like an old beat up one and they fight over it and essentially Harry ends up with the old beat one so Harry discovers his borrowed potions textbook is filled with helpful notes and spells left by the half-blood prince and uses the book to excel in class and impress Slithorn winning a liquid luck potion Ron becomes keeper of the Gryffindor Quidditch team and begins dating Lavender Brown upsetting Hermione Harry consoles Hermione, admitting to his own feelings for Ron's younger sister, Ginny. Harry spends the Christmas holidays with the Weasleys, and his suspicions about Draco are dismissed by the Order, but Arthur Weasley reveals that the Malfoys may have been interested in a vanishing cabinet. Bellatrix and Greyback attack the burrow, and Harry saves Ginny before the Order arrives and fights off the Death Eaters. So yeah, there's that scene there. They go home on Christmas, and that's another thing I want to mention about this movie, too, that I really like. You really get to see a lot of important relationships bloom. Like, you get to see, you know, you know for sure that Ron and Hermione are interested in each other. And it's not just like a awkward, like, I know they like each other, but it's not just like an awkward friend thing. And obviously, Harry admits he has a thing for Ginny, and Ginny's obviously, you know, returning, you know. She feels the same, which is adorable. I... I really love Harry and Ginny. But back to the... Yeah, Bellatrix Grimmett, they attacked the burrow because Arthur, in that scene, on the Christmas scene, says that, you know, they've been they've been followed. That the Death Eaters, Death Eaters are following them. And as it portrays, at the burrow, you know, Bellatrix and Grimmett attack, and they end up blowing up the burrow, which everybody survives, thankfully. But the burrow is done for. At Hogwarts, Dumbledore asks Harry to retrieve a memory of Voldemort from Slughorn. Now, he initially told Harry to look into his, uh, uh, I forget the name of it. It's the thing, the thing, uh, Dumbledore looks into 
to he looks at memories and the first time he looks into it he sees Tom Riddle or Voldemort as a young boy and he sees the memory of Voldemort confronting him and trying to bring him to Hogwarts and teach him how to use his magic for good and then the next time Dumbledore has Harry use it it's uh, Tom Riddle or Voldemort as like a teenager uh, having like a student's dinner with Professor Slughorn and after all the students leave he tries to ask Slughorn about something but it's all muffled and Harry can't quite get it out so he goes to he tries to get it out of Slughorn and Slughorn's not really having it but <clears throat> let's move on to the next thing I was going to say something else but it's right here after Ron accidentally ingests a love potion intended for Harry, Harry cures him with Slughorn's help. So, basically, Ron's trying to get away from Lavender Brown and, uh, what's the girl's name? Uh, Fremilda? Whatever her name is. Apparently, tried to send a love potion to Harry, but Ron ended up eating it. And now Ron's just, like, he's madly in love. Like, he's, he's cursed with love. The trio celebrate with Mead, Slughorn intended to give, in, intended to gift to Dumbledore, but Ron is poisoned, forcing Harry to save his life. Ron murmurs Hermione's name while recovering in the infirmary, causing Lavender to end their relationship. <laughs> so that's a, that's one of my favorite scenes in this whole movie. So after the whole thing, after he ends up in the infirmary, uh, Lavender runs in. And she's like, "Where's my wand, wand?" Which is stupid and annoying, and I hate that she called him that. But she sees Hermione, and she's like, what's she doing here? And Hermione's like, I was going to ask you the same thing. Lavender's like, I happen to be his girlfriend. And Hermione's like, I happen to be his friend. And she's basically all butthurt that Hermione's there. And as Ron starts about Lavender's like, see, he just sets my presence. Don't worry, I'm here, want one. And... Ron's just like uh, uh, Hermione and Lavender just <laughs> runs out and then <laughs> Dumbledore just <laughs> just like without missing a beat he's like ah to be young and to feel love's keen sting which I love Dumbledore's got a lot of zinners in this like initially in the beginning when they recruit Slughorn it's in this house which is you know been raided by Death Eaters, I guess, and Slughorn hid from them by transfiguring into a sofa. And he's just... Uh, I forget some of the things he said, but it's, like, very out of place, I guess, for Dumbledore, especially, you know, from everything up, leading up to this point. Where all of a sudden he's like, can I use the loo, or whatever, and... Uh, I forget, but yeah, Dumbledore has a lot of just zingers in this, and it's hilarious. Uh, where was I? Harry confronts Draco about the poison mead and a cursed necklace that nearly killed another student, and they duel. Harry uses one of the Half-Blood Prince's curses to severely injure Malfoy, who is saved by Snape. Fearing the book contains more dark magic, Ginny and Harry hide it in the Room of Requirement and share their first kiss. Aww. <coughs> Harry uses his liquid luck potion to convince Slughorn to surrender the memory Dumbledore needs. Viewing the memory with Dumbledore, Harry learns Voldemort wanted information about Horcruxes. So, this is 
this is one of the really really important things you know towards the end of the end of the series that we learn is that he uh basically after finally convincing Slughorn to let him know what's going on yeah he gives Harry the rest of the memory so that when he goes back to that memory of young Voldemort or Tom Riddle asking Slughorn about something he finds out that Tom Riddle was actually asking him about Horcruxes which Horcruxes are magical objects that contain a piece of a wizard's soul as a form of immortality so as we find out in Deathly Hollows, Voldemort's soul is split up into like all these different objects, and if you destroy those objects, it slowly destroys him. So you destroy, you know, all of them, and they die. <clears throat> Dumbledore concludes that Voldemort divided his soul into six Horcruxes, two of which have been destroyed: Tom Riddle's diary and Marvolo Gaunt's ring, which we see the ring in Dumbledore's uh, desk, along with Tom Riddle's diary, which we saw got destroyed in Chamber of Secrets. Uh, they travel to a cave where Harry aids Dumbledore in drinking a potion that hides another Horcrux, Slytherin's Locket. So this is important going into Deathly Hollows. They get the locket. And this it's in this scene where the, in the cave they have the they go up in these rocks and then there's like a crystal thing that's full of water and then there's a shell which Dumbledore tells Har- tells Harry to have him drink that and no matter what he says you know have him keep drinking it until it's all gone which is the only way they can get the Horcrux and you know as there's no water left Harry goes to get more but then he notices all these creatures crawling up and he tries to fight them off and get dragged into the water and he thinks it's the end but then he sees some flames above the water so as he goes up he sees Dumbledore is down back up and he's doing this whole big magic thing like he's got flames flying around it's it's pretty badass so <clears throat> then a weakened Dumbledore defends them with Inferi which I just said and apparates back to Hogwarts where Bellatrix Greyback and other Death Eaters enter through the vanishing cabinet in the room of requirement which Draco connected to the one in Nocturnally as Harry, as Harry hides, Draco appears and disarms the Headmaster, revealing he was chosen by Voldemort to kill Dumbledore, but Draco hesitates. Now, Harry's spying on this. He's seen, he's, you know, he's hiding, he sees this whole thing happen, and he hears something behind him, so he pulls out his wand, and it's Snape pointing one at him, and Snape just looks at him and kind of does a shh thing, a tone to be quiet. And Bellatrix is adding Draco on to kill Dumbledore, and you see Snape, Snape like, no. And, you know, appears in front of Dumbledore, and it's very emotional because all you hear, all you see Dumbledore, all you hear Dumbledore say is, Severus, please. And then Snape goes, Havada Kedavra, and kills Dumbledore. They're on top of the astronomy tower, by the way. And Snape casts a Vatican kills Dumbledore, falls out of the astronomy tower. It's just, it's such a fucking plot twist. Well, not really a plot twist if you know what's happening, but it's definitely a moment where, like, the first time you see it, you're just like, hey, but no! <laughs> but, uh, let's see. Yeah, as Harry hides, Draco appears and disarms the Headmaster, which, yeah, let's keep that in mind. 
Draco is the one that disarmed uh, Dumbledore, which I'll bring that up in the next episode because that'll be important. Hopefully I remember it by then. <laughs> Snape arrives and casts the killing curse on Dumbledore. As the Death Eaters escape, Snape reveals that he is the Half-Blood Prince. So, this book that Harry has had, the whole movie, that's been helping him in his potions class, you know, that was belonged to the Half-Blood Prince, he finds out that the Half-Blood Prince is Snape. And, obviously, Harry is really pissed at Snape at this point, because he's just like, you know, you killed my mentor, like, you killed Dumbledore, like, I want to kill you. Uh, not knowing, <laughs> not knowing to kind of, you know, give something away for the end of the movie, not knowing that this is all part of a plan. Like, if you think back to when Dumbledore said, Severus, please, that's basically Dumbledore saying, like, Severus, just, you know, do it. You know, please, do it. It's it's really interesting, because you, you find out after all this, like, you know, first time seeing this, you're pissed at Snape too, until you realize this is all part of a plan. But I'll talk more about that plan when I get to Deathly Hollows. As Hogwarts students and staff mourn Dumbledore's death, Harry reveals to Ron and Hermione that the locket was a fake, containing a message from R.A.B., who stole the real Horcrux to destroy. Harry, Ron, and Hermione decide to forego their final year at Hogwarts in order to track down the remaining Horcruxes. So yeah, at the end of the movie, they, the three, the trio, decide that instead of finishing school at Hogwarts, they're going to go track down all these Horcruxes and finally, finally, try to bring down Voldemort. Now, this is just from what the, the wiki tells me. There's obviously a lot more stuff in there. There's a lot more things. There's a lot more scenes, and uh, but like I said, there's uh, like I initially didn't like it because I've thought that you know, like me, a lot of the movie was very awkward. Like, and one thing I noticed too, rewatching the movie, like it's very like there's a lot of muddy colors. Like, there's not that much for bright colors. Like, it's all it's all feels washed out. I mean. Kind of, it fits the tone, I guess, but it's just there's just a lot of awkwardness with all the relationships and like the teenage angst and, <laughs> and whatnot. Ugh, excuse me. Uh, ooh, here's something interesting. Before filming began, there was a belief that filming might move from the UK, where all previous films were shot. The crew also scouted around Cape Wrath in Scotland for use in the cave scene. Filming returned to Glencoe and Glenfinnan, both which have appeared in the previous films to preserve the continuity of the landscape. Uh, is there any... <clears throat> oh, here we go. Here's a whole section on differences from the book. While at the middle of the series in length, the film Half-Blood Prince did add or change events in the liter literary canon. The book begins with a scene involving the Muggle Prime Minister... Yates and his crew debated over the scene, as well as the character Rufus Scrimdewer, but gave up the beginning of the movie to events described but not seen in the book. 
Yates thought it would give the audience a feel for what the Death Eaters were doing if they showed the collapse of the Millennium Bridge rather than simply describe it, as was done with the Brockdale Bridge in the book. As with Goblet of Fire, the Dursleys were cut, which Steve Close did to break the pattern. Further background of Tom Riddle was removed, such as the Gaunts because they felt it more important to concentrate on Riddle as a young boy, and an additional action scene at the borough was added to keep with the tone of the franchise. Yates felt that they needed an injection of jeopardy and danger, and that without it there was too much comedy and lightness. A small battle scene at Hogwarts, which happened during the end of the book, was also cut. Heyman commented that it was removed to avoid repetition with the forthcoming adaptation of the Battle of Hogwarts and Deathly Hollows. Dumbledore's funeral was removed as it was believed it did not fit with the rest of the film. Hi, babe. How are you doing? Dude, I'm almost done, by the way. <laughs> Sorry about that. My wife just walked in. But I'm going to keep it in, goddammit, because... Whatever. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of awards this movie received. Um, <clears throat> oh, I had to look at this because there's a difference in here between nominated and won. So, at the BAFTA Britannia Awards, it won the award for uh, David Yates, I should say, won the award for Artistic Excellence in Directing. Uh, Digital Spy Movie Award awarded. It got the award for Best Family Film. Uh, IGN gave it uh, Best Fantasy Movie. Uh, the MTV Movie Awards gave it Best Villain. You know, <laughs> gave Tom Felton the award for Best Villain, which I will say, you know, I mean, like, I was watching this with my wife a little bit ago, and she said that they kind of did Tom Felton dirty in this. Like, his like Draco's character is definitely a lot better, like, best he's ever been in the series. But it just the haircut, man. Just the haircut did not work for him. Uh, National Movie Awards awarded it Best Family Movie, and here oh, there's a lot here. Uh, Phoenix Phoenix Film Critics Society Awards awarded it Best Live Action Family Film. Uh, Ram R A A M Awards gave it Film of the Year. Then the Rafa R A F A Awards. Uh, awarded it the Alan Titchmarsh Show British Film of the Year Award, uh, Classic FM Film Music of the Year Award, and Best Use of UK Locations in a Film. Uh, the Stream Awards, uh, I think the Stream Awards was Spike TV, I want to say, because I vaguely remember Stream Awards. <laughs> There, it gave the Death Eaters attack London scene, which, you know, where the Death Eaters destroyed the bridge. It gave it the holy shit scene of the year. And it gave the movie overall best ensemble. Uh, SFX Awards gave it best film. Switch Live Award gave it favorite flick. The 2009 Teen Choice Awards gave it uh, the choice summer movie in the action adventure category. Uh, let's see, are there any other big list of differences? Let's see here. Harry Potter. After the burial, what? The trio didn't receive a letter from Hagrid informing them that Aragog was dead in the film. Instead, Harry simply mentioned that he wants to go to Hagrid's place after drinking the Felix Felicis. Oh, so that's what it was. They just kind of found out that Aragog was dead. Like, 
they didn't actually Harry didn't know beforehand which <laughs> uh, I love the quote from that it's like this whole scene like I think Slughorn wanted to extract some venom from Aragog and one of my favorite quotes from this whole movie is well it's actually between Hagrid and Harry so Hagrid I forget what they were talking about but then Hagrid's like misunderstood creatures spiders they are it's the like it's the eyes I reckon that unnerve they unnerve some people and then Harry's like not to mention the pinchers <laughs> it's just like the whole like all, all the scenes after Harry takes the uh, liquid luck are just gold like cause it's just Daniel Radcliffe on his like on some nonsense it's just it's <laughs> it's funny as hell uh, Septum Sempra. The duel between Harry and Draco at the bathroom took place just after Harry questioned, questioning Katie Bell in the Great Hall regarding the cursed opal necklace. Katie looks at Draco, then suddenly Harry chases him. In the book, the questioning of Harry on Katie Bell and Harry's duel with Draco took place between a couple of days and did not happen in the same day. In the book, Harry was tailing Draco using the Marauder's map until he saw Draco inside the boys' bathroom on the sixth floor. He overheard Draco crying and saw that he was accompanied he was accompanied by Moni Myrtle, who is absent from the film. Now that and that's what I love like Draco's character too. Like obviously in the beginning of the movie he uh you know, he's more than happy to be roped into this whole Death Eater thing, but then you see towards the end of the movie that maybe maybe Draco doesn't want to be a part of this. And I think that's why Draco is one of my favorite characters too, because you see, like, obviously he's roped in with the villains, but he doesn't want to be. He just he knows that if he doesn't go along with it at this point, it could be it could be bad for him or his family or his mom and dad. And I just I want to one thing I want to point out in the duel scene that Harry casts uh, Septim Sempra on Draco and almost kills him like this this could have been it for Draco but Snape ends up saving Draco um, <clears throat> in the film Malfoy is running away from Harry and goes into a bathroom on the 7th floor near the room of requirement in the book the bathroom that the duel takes place in is not on the 7th floor Harry and Draco briefly duel before Harry uses the Septum Sempra spell and Snape's countercurs Vulnera Sunentor is an incantation rather than the song. In the book, Malfoy turns around and attacks and even attempts to use the Cruciatus Turks, but Harry, being faster, almost immediately uses Septum Sempra after the two of them cast about two spells each at each other. In the film, Harry and Malfoy shoot several spells at each other, hide behind stalls and shoot spells at each other underneath the stalls, and run around the stalls while shooting spells at each other before Harry finally uses Septum Sempra on Draco when he sees him standing on the other side of the bathroom immediately after coming out from undercover. Directly before Malfoy attacks Harry, Harry talks to him saying, I know what you did, Malfoy. You hexed her, didn't you? The scene where Severus Snape gives Harry detention for the Septum Sempra spell slash ownership of his textbook is cut and apparently never took place. This creates a plot hole in the film as Harry apparently gets away with using a potentially de uh, deadly spell against a classmate with no apparent punishment. This could also be seen as telegraphing the revelation that Snape is the half-foot prince. Even more so, since Malfoy was not trying to use Crucio as he was in the book. It is, however, possible that Harry did get punished, but it happened off-screen, with the film choosing to highlight Harry's remorse instead. Uh, 
in the book, when Harry casts Septim Sempera on Malfoy. Ooh, I am almost out of time here, so I'll bring you more book and movie differences after this break. Seriously misunderstood creature spiders are. It's the eyes, I reckon, they unnerve some folk. Not to mention the pincers. I reckon that too. Sorry about that. Uh, now we're back from the break. Uh, I was looking at the time of my recording, and because on Anchor I can only record up to 30 minutes at a time, it just it ran a little it ran a little long. So let's continue from where we left off. Uh, okay, so here's here's what it was. In the book, when Harry casts Septim Sempera on Malfoy, Moni Myrtle screams murder, which is what alerted Snape. She is absent in the film. Yeah, I was going to say, the last time we saw her was Double to Fire, and then we never see her again. Uh, Ginny, not Harry, hides the textbook in the Room of Requirement. In the final book, Harry knows where to find the diadem horcrux based on where he hid the book. In the final film, Harry knowing the diadem and Half-Blood Prince's book's locations are unrelated to each other. In the same scene, Ginny kisses Harry and they both keep it secret. In the book, however, they kiss in full public view after the Quidditch match between Gryffindor and Ravenclaw, during which Harry was in Snape's detention. In the film, a scene with Ron and Lavender kissing under identical circumstances appears instead. Also, they find a second songbird Draco tested on the cabinet, a black one, alive and sinning, but they do not know its significance. The cabinet is covered by a tapestry and they do not see what it is. Also, when Ginny kissed Harry, it was never revealed how or when she had broken up with Dean Thomas. Indeed, very little of her relationship with Dean is depicted in the film compared to the book. In the film, they are only seen together in the three broomsticks when they were snogging. After that, the only further mention of their relationship was when Hermione noticed Ginny's eyes at Slughorn's dinner party, and she tells Harry that they have been fighting. They were apparently still together, as Harry was not able to ask her to Slughorn's Christmas party, but they apparently either have broken up or were on the verge of a breakup closer to Christmas, as evidenced by her time with Harry while at the borough for the holiday. Hermione nagging Harry about the prince's book being evil, and Ginny defending Harry by saying that he had used the curse to prevent Malfoy's unforgivable torture curse is omitted from the film. Let's see, um, Lightning Stork Tower. There's. Oh, that's into Deathly Hollows. Uh, let's see. The entire funeral scene is cut, and the last scene is the trio watching Fox fly away through the blue sky. In this scene, Hermione mentions to Harry that Ron does not mind him being with Ginny, but they should still keep their snouting minimal whenever Ron is around. It is inferred that Ginny and Harry's relationship is still going strong, although in the book they split up on Harry's insistence that it's not safe for her to be close to him. In the film, Harry finds Dumbledore's wand in his office after the headmaster's death. This may be a significant aberration from the film, or from the book, where the wand is entombed with Dumbledore's body. Though this scene obviously takes place before the burial because the Elder Wand is seen in Dumbledore's tomb at the end of the first part of the film adaptation of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. So yeah, I guess, yeah, they have Dumbledore's wand just 
you know, sitting there, sitting there in his office, but you find out later that they buried it along with Dumbledore, which we find out, you know, in the first part of Deathly Hallows. Uh, that's, and that's basically all for book and movie difference. Now, there are some, uh, fun facts about some of the actors that I found out that I would, I would like to share with you. So, in case, you know, if you notice there was something off about Daniel Radcliffe, it's because, uh, during the filming of Hepa Prince, he was actually struggling with uh, substance abuse like he was drinking he was all that he, like he just wasn't having a good time but thankfully after this movie or you know after a while he definitely got clean he cleaned up his act and I, I kind of get why you said so I mean I don't condone it but I get why because you know obviously at this point like he can't go anywhere without somebody be like hey it's Harry Potter uh, it's just you know the fame and everything so but I'm honestly super glad he got cleaned up. Um, Maggie Smith, who is, you know, Bernard McGonagall, uh, while filming Half-Blood Prince, was actually undergoing treatment for breast cancer, and she beat that shit. So, you know, all props to Maggie Smith, you know, the real OG. Uh, at the same time, and this is something I read that makes it really hard for me to hate J.K. Rowling. Uh, so the actress who played Luna, uh, actress who played Luna, which I forget her name. I have to look it up. Why? Why does everything have to shift around on me when I'm trying to look up stuff? Oh, excuse me. Where are you? Oh, yeah. Ivana Lynch. So Ivana Lynch, she was, you know, before, I guess a little bit during and before she started playing Luna she was suffering from a eating disorder and not only did the whole like cast crew of Harry Potter actually help her you know help her beat her eating disorder and help her out but J.K. Rowling also like sent her letters and all kinds of support which like it really makes me it makes it hard to hate her when she does that but you know I guess that's one credit I could give to J.K. Rowling she help help save Vonage so yeah um I think that's about all I can think all I got for Half-Blood Prince uh I'm kind of glad I actually read through a plot this time instead of just like being like um so this happened and um this happened I mean I still kind of did some of that but whatever um yeah that's about all I got on Half-Blood Prince, um, obviously, like I said in the intro, I think what I'm going to do for Deathly Hollows, I might group that into a mega episode, like, so it might be a little more than an hour long, because I might want to combine part one and part two together. Either that or I'll separate, I don't know. It's still a week away, I still got time to think about it, but that's going to be my episode on Half-Blood Prince. Uh, if you enjoy half of it like i said it's definitely in my it's in it's number four in my list of this like just below so like deathly hollows uh order phoenix prisoner of Vestiman, and then half blood prince but um you know i'm curious what did you guys think of half blood prince or what is just what is your favorite harry potter movie in general uh 
if you want to let me know my social medias uh instagram twitter tiktok i'll put the links to those in the description if you want to send me a voice message through anchor that i can then either listen to or i can add it to my podcast the link will be in the description there as well and that's about all i got um obviously you know come back here every saturday for the main show whatever which you know next week we might finish the harry potter series uh come back here wednesdays for my news episode and yeah that's all i got for you guys so what you know with that being said my i've been cameron take care have a lovely day remember to drink water <laughs> see you guys bye-bye bye have a great time